So there are things that I might have figured out and managed about how I'm my most authentic self within this type of role. But the second I take a new role, my habits come back, right? And like, that's both good and bad. Welcome back to Elevating Admission Voices. And on this episode, not only are you gonna wanna pull up a chair, but you will want to grab a pen. My guest today is Hope Kreutz, president of Enroll 360 at EAB. And we are gonna dive into, are we doing strategic things or tactical things? What is a one-way door or a two-way door? And are you a deep end person or a shallow end person? It is an awesome episode, let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Elevating Admission Voices. I'm your host, Angie Cooksey, and joining me today is Hope Kreutz, president of Enroll360 at EAB. Hope, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks, Angie. Happy to be here. Happy to be online with you. I I have to tell you, when I started the show and I started asking people who should be on the show, who should I talk to? over and over people were like, you have to talk to Hope. And so I'm so excited to have you here. Um, And the the way that I always start the show is really to give the people that are joining me an opportunity to tell their story, because that's really what the whole point of Elevating Admission Voices is about, is giving people space to hear about these really remarkable leaders in our field. And so what's your story? Who are you? How do you identify? What's your journey looked like to the seat you're sitting in today over at EAB? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I will start my journey. I grew up in the South. Um, so kind of typical from that perspective in terms of what I was involved in, what I wasn't involved in, but I decided to make a big leap and go to school in Virginia, which when you grow up in Louisiana, that seems far away. Um, (laughs) but as a firstborn, which probably lends something to my personality, uh, it seems like the right decision for me. And I was thrilled to get in where I got in and got a chance to go out of state to school. Um, When I was in school, I didn't realize all roads lead to recruitment and admissions, but I was always either a tour guide or recruitment chair for my sorority. Um, I I always joke everything in life comes back to sorority recruitment. So (laughs) I am am on board that train with you and we can talk about that all day if we need to. Um, So much so that actually when I finished college, I was a psych major. Um, I interviewed for a bunch of consulting firms because that was the thing to do in the late 90s. Um, And uh, the consulting firm I wanted to work for was my sorority. Um, And my father was not so excited about that, but I was excited enough um, that I convinced him that I could do that. And so I spent two years as a national consultant um, for my sorority, traveling to different chapters, doing recruitment and leadership development. And I came out of that having done um, an internship with an education not-for-profit in DC. I'd also interned at a bank because I needed to prove to my father that I can do the typical consulting things. Um, And I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do next. And my father asked the great question of, well, what have you learned so far? And what do you like? And what do you not like? And I was in my early 20s. And I said, well, you know, I actually liked the career paths at the bank. It felt like there were very clear things you needed to do to get promoted, to get opportunities. I just didn't wake up excited about finance. Um, That was not my major for a really good reason. Um, And a lot of people were, and that surprised me. I thought they were just in it for the ambition. 
Um, but no, they actually enjoyed the work and I did not. Uh, with the not-for-profit I worked for in DC, I really liked the mission of the organization, but our, I mean, lack of funding, lack of resources, they could hardly pay me as an intern. I was like, gosh, I don't know if this is where I want to start my career. Um, and there are plenty of very well-run not-for-profits in DC, as well as the whole higher education community, but it just wasn't quite the right fit. Um, and then with the sorority experience, I loved being on the front lines of an organization that I believed in and that had made a big mm -hmm. difference for me in college. And this idea of meeting 150 women across four days and getting them to do something different, not because I told them, but because we worked together to find an idea and to put that into place. Um, and so my dad had spent his career running hospitals. Um, so very different industry. And there was a company called the advisory board in DC that he said, well, hope if you want to stay in DC and you don't want to do traditional consulting, you should look into this company. And I said, but dad, I really want to do education. He was like, hope you're 24, get a job. Um, so <laughs> I feel like I did. many of our parents have had that. Conversation right. I think us, we've right? all been there at some point. Um, and I did, I, you know, I started I interviewed with this place called the advisory board company. They did best practice research for healthcare. So that's how my dad knew the company. He was a member. Um, and I liked the people. They were really smart. It felt like my first day at college again. Mm -hmm. I liked the product best practice research, like this idea that like a lot of people are out there doing similar stuff, but oftentimes not talking about it. And like, there's stuff that I could be doing that you're doing that aren't competitive that we should share. And so healthcare has got a lot of actual similarities to higher ed. Um, and then, you know, I was, I was up for, up for the challenge. And so I started actually in a sales role, um, at that healthcare best practices firm that thankfully then in 2007, got its act together and thought we should be in higher ed. Okay. Um, and so when that happened, um, I had been in um, kind of successive sales roles across that period, and I knocked on the door of who is now the CEO of EAB, um, but he was a higher level executive at the advisory board company. His name's David Felsenthal. And I said, hey, David, I don't know if you know this about me, but I really am passionate about education. It's what I do in my volunteer time. Um, I would love to be a part of what we're doing here. And he said, I think we can make that happen as long as you do both. Um, and so that was the beginning of my professional time in higher education. So in 2007, we had 30 provosts that came and joined us in DC to talk about, hey, we're a company. Here's the type of research we do. Could we help you too? Um, and in some ways, we were so naive about what we were getting into but also such an opportunity. Um, and then what was fascinating about it is provosts love to learn, right? Like that right. was a fun, fun conversation. They were, you know, hospital executives had gotten to the place that they wanted everything bite size. Um, provosts still wanted to dig in. And so that was a really fun change. What was the, probably the pivotal moment for our business though, was right, you hit 2008, you hit um, Virginia Tech happens in that period of time, um, you, right? You've got seminal events from a market standpoint, from a student affairs standpoint, and that actually pivoted us to a much more focused set of research, more focused set of deliverables. How do we actually 
actually support a college. Um, our first student success work actually happened that year. So it it all became a chain of events that then has um, turned EAB into what it is today. Um, my journey through that was largely with our sales and account management. So working with our members um, that entire time. And then I got an opportunity in 2017 um, 2014, I moved into higher education full-time. took a long time. I did the two things for seven did we, years. Did we talk to dad about that? Because I feel like there's a full circle moment here at some point. So yeah. <laughs> so in 2014, we had a conversation at a tailgate, which I still remember. Um, and I said, dad, I have a chance to go do this higher education thing full-time. Is that the dumbest thing in my career? Like I'm throwing out a decade long Rolodex. I'm throwing out all these relationships, all this knowledge I've gained, spending all this time in healthcare. And his answer to me, he was like, Hope, if you guys can do a third of what you've done in healthcare and higher education, and you can be part of writing that story, you have to do that. And it was like, I still get, I lost my father about a year and a half ago. And so it's one of those moments that you're like, Oh yeah, here's my little angel intervening um, at points in my career to just reaffirming, like yeah. in my gut, what I knew I wanted to do, but telling me it was okay to do it. Um, and so that was valuable to have those checks. Oh my gosh, best, best, best part of my career. Um, so made that. I, this is too long of a story for today, but yeah, okay. um, made that call in 2017. Um, we had acquired Royal and Company based yeah. out of Richmond, Virginia. Um, I got the call that said, hey, Hope, would you ever move to Richmond? Because, right, people didn't work remote then. Um, it's amazing. Yes. It's like we're talking about the dark ages. Uh, and I said, you know, I'm pregnant, right? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We know you're pregnant. That doesn't matter. I was like, this is why I love this company. Oh. Um, they are willing to take a chance on me moving to a new city and then completely disappearing for four months and then coming back uh, post a family leave. And you know, being part of hopefully growing and pushing forward on that division. Um, and so that has been best career decision I ever made was making the move to Richmond mm-hmm. um, and being a part of now what we are building on the enrollment side of the house, which is my favorite side. <laughs> uh, no, that's where you live too. And this is. is what we're about. Um, so yeah, but it all goes back to sorority recruitment. So um, yeah. For sure. I, you mentioned something in there um, and I don't even know if you do, you realize you mentioned it, but you said something about being so naive mm. as you're jumping into something new. Yes. And I think for so many of the people who listen to this, this show and, and certainly in my own career, there's some dreaminess, I guess, for lack of a better word about that naivety. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I said that right, but, but also sometimes we shy away from it, right? We're like, yeah. well, I don't know enough. I, I'm probably yeah. not the right person. There's probably somebody better than me. Mm. How did you lean into saying like, gosh, I, maybe I'm not, I don't know, but I think I'm the person to sit in this seat for right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I have two theories here. One is I believe you're either a deep in person or shallow in person, and we need Ooh. both in life. Um, I am a deep end person. So I am best off if you throw me in the farthest part of the deep end with the most responsibility possible and just ask me to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Um, I am at my best. If I get like, people talk about stretch rolls all the time, right? If, If I'm just the shallow end person taking on, you know, a little toe work, a little, you know, I'm hanging out, I'm trying this, I'm grabbing a floaty, you know, I'm figuring it out. 
I can never jump in. Like I just have a tough time mentally. Um, so this is for me and this is true. You know, it's why I was happy to go 15 hours away from home for school. I yeah. went, you know, away for summer camp every year. To me, that was the proof point that I could go away for four years for college. Really, the really? logic is right there. Right, right. Like I can talk myself into pretty much anything. So, but I'm a deep end kind of person. And so I think that's real. I have worked with people in their careers who live in both sides of that because there's pros and cons to both and how do you work your way through the decisions and knowing when you just got a leap when the opportunities are there and what that looks like um and then you know i um that i mentioned there were two theories the other is and it's probably been discussed on this podcast that women in general feel like they need to be a hundred percent ready for whatever that next career move is And men generally feel like they need to be 60% ready for whatever that next career move is. Um, Both are wrong. (laughs) And it's about figuring out like what's in the middle. And so for me, it's been about having someone in your life. And one of those people for me is my father Mm -hmm. um, who can be that sounding board of, you know, why is this interesting? And do you think I could um, and give you that level of um, guidance. I find that at least within EAB, we focus a lot on making sure you have skip level meetings. So don't just meet with your boss, meet with your boss's boss or your boss's oh, boss's boss. Interesting. Um, because that person has the purview and they're less attached to the role you do right now, right? They're just attached to you as a contributor within a department or within a division or within an institution, right? All of those could be true. Um, And so they can think a little freer about your career than your boss. Um, And so I have found that having that type of sounding board has helped me, you know, hey, what kind of things do you think I should be looking into? Or what are, you know, other people like me, you've seen do things. What things have they done? Yeah. Um, and you can hear career paths and stories within an institution that might open your eyes to something new. I've actually never heard that language, skip level meetings. Yeah. I'm curious both ways of it. So as you think yes. up, is that something you request? Is that something that's built into the culture at EAB? It happens once a year or once every six months. But then also for people that report up through you, what are you looking for when somebody comes to you in that kind of meeting? Yeah, yeah. So there is a subset of folks I work with that it's built in for, and I do it at some cadence. So sometimes it's twice a year, sometimes it's three times a year, but it's something like that. Um, And I do it automatically for anyone who reports to somebody who reports to me, if that makes sense. So that one level skip. Um, And so, yes, that is pretty automatic in our culture. Um, And, you know, we hire just like a lot of institutions, a lot of folks coming in at different stages in their career, looking at different stages of what could be next. Um, And so whether that's, I talked to a gentleman this morning, he's six years in at a role and we're talking about, okay, it's, we're probably, you know, three to 12 months out from finding him the next thing. Um, But that's a lot easier to talk to me about than it is to talk to his direct manager about. So um, that's embedded. And then I have people who ask for it and we just have a culture of saying yes. Um, Cause that network just makes a difference. Um, and so I offer it up. I have two different training sessions this week that I'm doing with um, groups of 
high potential talent that have been identified in our organization. And so I typically offer it up at the end of those, like, Hey, if anybody likes, if you've connected with me, which I don't connect with everyone, um, <laughs> I'm, a, you know, you can get time on my calendar, uh, yeah. but you'll hear that from every executive. So pick somebody like you pick somebody not like you get time on our calendars, decide if we're helpful. If we're not, don't come back. Totally fine. Um, but yeah, we've, we've got a culture of it. And what's nice is at this point, um, you know, you get to a love in your career that it gets a little more lonely. Yeah. Um, but we have a board and, um, our board private equity board actually just brought together a group of women leaders from across the country so cool. who all are sitting in the C-suite, but don't have necessarily peers. Um, it was, it was the best two days that I've had in a while, um, yeah. connecting on that level. And I think that's so valuable to hear. Cause I think we do spend a lot of time in this field talking about, growth and advancement opportunities for some of our newer employees and not to say young employees, because again, people come in all different types of when their career is, but newer to the field employees. Yes. And then you get to a place where you're quote unquote, the expert at your institution or in your role or whatever. And it is, it's hard to find who's the person or the people or the sounding board that you can go to, to find, but we all have so much room to grow. And I think that's so valuable for people to hear is where can mm-hmm. they find that and continue to invest in yourself? Because I don't know, maybe it's just me, but if I'm not continually learning and growing, I get really bored and then I'm not very good at my job. Yes. Right. Like, yes. <laughs> and yes. I don't think that serves any of us very well. Um, you've talked a little bit kind of about your leadership style. And, and I think I'm so interested personally in kind of knowing how you figured out what fits you the best. And I think Mm. some people just know, and I think for some people, and especially women, it's sort of, we have to try on some different styles sometimes to figure out what is authentically us. Because if we keep trying to show up in a way that's not who we are, that's really exhausting. So is that something you're working on? Or is that something you found that you've let leaned into really naturally? What's that looked like for you? Um, I am definitely still working on it. And I actually, at the women's retreat, I went to women's leadership retreat. I went to, um, I kind of figured out why, uh, because the, the facilitator provided us a framework that basically the set of things you work on across your life or the set of things you're probably going to work on across your life. Hmm. It's just, as you grow in scope, they come up in new ways. Um, and so there are things that I might have figured out and managed about how I'm my most authentic self within this type of role. But the second I take a new role, my habits come back, right? And like, that's yeah. both good and bad and they will all continue to, and so you'll get the same feedback on a 360. Um, that's a tool that we use regularly where they're interviewing, right? Folks across um, the spectrum of your leadership and n- it's, it's new voices, but the same similar themes. Um, and she's like, it's not that it's bad. It's just, you're in a new environment and here's how this thing is showing in this new environment to these people who've never reported to someone like you in the past. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, I definitely have found the adage of like, what's gotten me here is not going to get me there, uh, to the next place for sure. And the most, freeing, but also terrifying one is, you know, I mentioned raised in the South, like classic, um, you know, perfect, 
like wanted to be perfect and always like That's manners. That's the oldest child in you for sure. That is the oldest <laughs> child in me, like from the manners to the, um, you know, getting all A's to whatever, whatever those things were. Um, and it actually served me really well for my first decade of my sales career. Sure. Because oh, that's all that. about, right, like impressing people and making connections and all all of that work that you do. A lot of it's pretty surface level, though. Um, and you kind of work your way through that. And then I had a team and the team was like, OK, well, what if we're not perfect? Is she going to be disappointed in us? What's going to happen? Um, and as my teams have gotten bigger over time, that is only amplified. Um, and that has been freeing in some ways because I feel like I can actually show up how I feel um, and show up with high expectations, but also a level of realism. Like, what does it actually take to get something done? Um, and then, you know, it's terrifying because you're like, oh, my God, especially when I do this on a Zoom, I've got <laughs> 500 people on the other end of the line and like did they all just mute me did they give me the finger like what happened there like so when yeah this work via zoom is a whole different level oh of a God. mind game like when you have no interaction totally it's totally so hard totally um yeah so yeah I I think we are all works in progress I do I do ask the questions of myself what gives me energy and then what do, um, not quite Marie Kondo, what brings me joy or sparks joy, um, but I find energy is incredibly important. And then for me, it's the quadrant of what brings me energy, what takes energy away, and then what am I good at? And then what am I not good at? And then, you know, sometimes there are things that give me energy that I'm not very good at. Um, <laughs> hopefully I find the things that give me energy that I am good at and I take away the things that um, take that away, you know, pull that out for me. Um, ultimately, I'm more of an introvert than an extrovert, but I'm kind of right on the line. And so that's been an important part of my career is how much people expect of you personally, and then what you need to recharge. Because I, I enjoy these types of interactions, I do get energy from them. But like my way of recharging, I can't go run straight to the next zoom, like I need a little bit of and that, focus time. That was really going to be my next question. And especially looking at somebody like you, who's in a big role, right? This is this a big seat to sit in. There's a lot of people who report to you or up through mm -hmm. you or, and then you report obviously to other people. How do you find space to recharge? And how do you find space just to have the space to reflect? Because it sounds like mm -hmm. a lot of what your leadership model is, is about saying that quadrant you can't do that quadrant reflection on the go all the time. You have, That's to, true. I, I would imagine you have to be able to say like, wait, yep. I need to figure out where I'm at right now in order to either pivot or sit in it or move forward. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's a good point. Um, I'm not, I'm not great at it. I'm good at it. So I would say that like, and I am obsessed with my calendar. Um, yeah. So I have a really strong obsession with what is happening one week out, two weeks out, five weeks out. Um, and am, is my calendar, am I doing strategic things? Am I doing tactical things? Um, and how do I create the space for those strategic things? Um, I learned probably the hard way that leaving Saturday afternoon to be the time you're doing your planning is a 
bad idea. Um, like you have to create space within the physical environments of the workday to do the work stuff. Now I am an early morning girl, so I will admit to, um, you know, I've been known to skip a workout in the morning and instead sit down at my computer and start to crunch and read, but it's not because I'm working through my emails. It's because I'm actually doing work. Like I am working through a problem or I'm preparing for a set of meetings. Um, but yeah, I work pretty hard to now try to build that in. I found that my COVID brain does not function like my pre-COVID brain um, oh, and yeah. not like, I think just the pandemic plus young children plus I don't know, maybe getting older, probably all the same. Um, I can't work the same number of hours I used to work. Um, and so I have had to figure out how to get more efficient and effective. And I have, I constantly try to toggle between the two. My team hates me for it, but I'm like, okay, so that might be efficient. But are we actually effective in what we're doing? Like, are we delivering the results? Are we driving the outcomes? Um, and then, yeah, I've got really good people around me who are willing to call BS. And so that, That's that so helps valuable. too. Mm -hmm. How do you cultivate that for yourself? Um, you gotta ask for it. Mm. And I find I have to model it. Like, I think I, I have found that I have to be willing to say, Ooh, I messed that up. I think we made the wrong call there. Okay. That's my, that's on me right? Like it's not on you. That's on me. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Like why, why did we make the call we made? Why was that? Why did that lead to an outcome we didn't want it to lead to? What, what do we learn from that? And then what do we, where do we go forward? Um, and then, yeah, we've managed to, I don't know, some of it's been in the trenches, right? And that's, I think everyone admissions has been in the trenches. Um, especially the I'm past couple of cycles. I'm going to a college cycles. fair tonight and I'm so excited, right? Like, Bring it back, right? <laughs> I love that. Talk about energy, right? A place yeah. that can bring you energy. Oh man, yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. But I think that's important. And, and also that idea of being able to, the decisions that we make impact the people that are in the trenches every day. That's right. And so keeping that connection, at, at least to me, has been something that as my journey has changed, has been really valuable and important to remember. Because not only are our brains different post-COVID, but the work we do is so different post-COVID. Good point. Good I didn't point. And do the increase. work that the admission counselors do now. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's it's a really good point. And that has happened. Um, that's definitely happened for us as well. And yeah. so you're right. It is, it is a different kind of work. It isn't at the exact same job. The mental health pieces that come into all of it are very real. Um, we, in decision-making, we talk a lot about, is this a one-way door? Therefore, when we go through it, we can never go back? Or is this a two-way door? Like, we can go, we can try it. And you know what? If it doesn't work, we'll just walk back through that door and we're going to go find another one. Um, and so that also, it's like, how do you take some of the weight out of some of the decisions we make? Um, and we have found that to be a really valuable way. And it was some language that was taught to us. Um, I think it's actually something used at Amazon, potentially. You'd have to fact check me on that one. But um, but it's a cool concept because it's like, oh, like, are we stuck in this forever? Or can we just try it? Um, and that can be freeing, especially as you make decisions. Well, and I imagine, too, as you talked about at the beginning, not everyone is a deep end person. Not everyone is a shallow no. person. And if yeah. 
if every decision feels like there's correct, this is the only way that's going to be really hard, depending on where you are in the pool, I would imagine. Totally. Yes. And there are uh, career-based decisions that are two-way doors. Um, we oh, talk that's a lot really about for people to hear. I want you to yeah. say that again. Yeah, I think there are. I think there are career decisions that are two-way doors. Like you can go through that door and then you could come right back through it and either do what you were doing or go do something different. Um, but it's like treating your career more like a jungle gym, right? And like that you are going potentially across to go up or across to find happiness, um, what, whatever that might look like. Um, but yeah, I think there's there's a lot to that one-way, two-day way door concept. I love that so much. I, as we kind of start to wrap up today, I have two more questions for you. And I, I think especially as um, a woman who's talked about the importance of family and the importance mm -hmm. of your balancing in some, and I hate that terminology because I think it sets us up for failure. Yeah. My own personal thing on that. Um, but navigating kind of those roles of what the hat is that you're going to wear today, mm -hmm. even when the reality is we're probably wearing all the hats all yep. of the time. What is that thing that you're the most proud of? Like, how are you sort of sitting mm. in where you are today? Oh, man. As I'm like, as my daughter burst into tears this morning, because I don't oh. know what I did, right? We put the sock on the wrong foot. You know, it's, yeah. it was the it's wrong amazing. color. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. I had the wrong pink, you know, we were pink every day and it was the wrong pink. Um, yeah. It's, it's a lot to navigate. I, for better or worse, I do compartmentalize mm. such that if I'm at home and it's dinner time, my cell phone is not at the table. Like I, I do try to create boundaries um, of when it is pure family time versus pure work time versus time with my husband versus time with my, you know, friends. Um, I have found that girlfriends are critical to finding balance, especially as a working mom. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, sometimes you just need a place to talk um, and going for a walk with a really good friend. That's my, like to your recharging and reflecting, like that's become my go-to. If I can have that at least once or twice a month, like, oh, I'm a much calmer, happier person. <laughs> Uh, so I, I don't know, you know, navigating the roles, um, uh, it's, it's about perspective. Um, it's about knowing that nobody's got it figured out, no matter what their Instagram looks like. Yes. Um, and it's knowing that we each make decisions that are right for us and our families. And in that's that moment in that moment at that point in time. And yeah. that's the thing I've had to settle into. And then I've also learned there's certain, certain places or certain people that are triggers for me. Oh. Um, and that I, you know, I feel less than in that moment, or I feel like, um, I signed up to be a room parent. We should discuss that at a separate time. I Probably accidentally not. signed up to be a yeah, room parent when my kid uh -huh. was in kindergarten and it was not a great experience. Yeah. Yeah. Health. <laughs> yeah, it that is it is not. It is not. And Some it is one of those exceptional at it. And I give them a lot of credit. So exceptional at it. But like the first conversation I had with another couple uh, parents of a kid in the class and they're like, oh, I'm, thank you so much for signing up. I mean, I'm a working mom. And I was like, mm -hmm, yeah, me too. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's normalize this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it's just, you know, you got to make the best decisions for where you are in front of you and then find the stuff that's just find a little fun, find, find a fun. little both work. And I find that if 
we can still find a way to laugh, period. That helps everybody. I love that so much. So the last question that I have, which I've started to ask pretty much of every guest that's okay. on the show is really leading into owning that we are great in these moments. And so yeah. without exception, without a, but hope, what is it that you are exceptional at? Oh, Andy, this is where you need to prep people, man. <laughs> I know, but if I prep people, then no, it's you're scripted. right. And I have a perfect answer and it'd be too scripted. <laughs> I am great at rolling the film forward. So what I mean by that is understanding the cascade of a set of decisions that might put us in a very different future state. Um, and then being able to decide what that state is and then come back and create a plan, a vision, uh, a thing. Um, but that I, I thought other people did that. And I've learned across my career that something that for whatever reason I do, other people don't seem to do the same way. I love that so much. Thank you so much for being at the show. I I've told people this before. There's not a big script or plan that goes into these shows. It's literally it. a white piece of paper, um, a printer paper that I make notes on as we go because it's moments like this in the show. And I hope other people took, you had so many awesome nuggets of like the two way doors and mm -hmm. the deep end and the shallow end. And it's those things that make me feel so lucky to have created a space like this to be able to have other people hear these these nuggets because we're not all going to work at the same places and we're not all going to have the same interactions and there's so many people who may never get an opportunity to intersect their career with your career but maybe today they did and i think that's really really awesome so thank you so much as you have all heard before on the show there is room for everyone at the table in higher education so pull up a chair and make some room thanks everybody mm -hmm.